Last week, uh, we started a new sermon series here at your First Assembly, focusing in on Matthew chapter 5. And what we were looking at essentially is the sermon that Jesus was using to introduce the kingdom of God, the new way of doing things. A sermon that we often call the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. It is essentially the sermon that Jesus says many times, you will be blessed if you do X, Y, and Z. He's establishing his kingdom. Pastor Nicole reminded us as we were into that message last week, that Jesus was preaching the coming kingdom, but he was also teaching the way of the kingdom and demonstrating along the way the power of the kingdom. We are engaged in the preaching, in his teaching, and when we are operating with his power, we will see a life that is blessed according to God's Spirit and His Word. Amen? Who needs some of that this morning? Just a few of you? Who needs more of God's power this morning? Amen? All right, that's a little better. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll be uh, talking out of Matthew 5 for a little bit. I'm going to be looking specifically at verse 6. Be reading out of the NIV version this morning as Jesus speaks these words to those that he was teaching. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message version where he says, You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. How many of you are ready to work up a good appetite for God this morning? All right. About two weekends ago, I was at the Rib Fest right in downtown Erie. Did anybody make that, that festival? A few of you, a few of you fellow smoke barbecue people. Um, I was down there. This has been something we had been anticipating for a long time, because if you remember, we came back to Erie first in the fall of last year, so we missed Rib Fest. And we've been away for seven years, and Rib Fest was one of those things that we really enjoyed doing as a family. And actually, quite frankly, if Pastor Jim could sneak over to the Rib Fest without getting caught by Julie, uh, he'd be there every day of the Rib Fest. That's how much I desire that. Now, this is a dangerous topic, because here's the pastor right before lunchtime here on a Sunday morning talking about food. So we've got to fight the natural urge to think about cheddars and Applebee's, and I'm ruining it for you, aren't I? The Texas Road. I'll put all that aside for a moment. But a couple weekends ago, I was down at the uh, Rib Fest, and I remember that day. Julie had reminded me that that was the plan for the day, that we were going to make it there. And and she had also reminded me, she said, hey, don't forget, you love this. So don't eat too much breakfast and don't eat too much lunch because you want your appetite to be ready to go when you get down there. I love my wife. She is awesome. (laughs) Needless to say, my anticipation level was up. We'd been talking about it all week. It's one thing that I said that we like to do as a family. But you know what happened? When I got down there, I could not get a parking spot near the festival. There was a lot more people that like pulled pork sandwiches down there. So we had to park a couple of blocks away, more than I wanted to walk. You ever been in that type of a situation? But the curse of the parking spot was that we got out of the car and I could smell the smoke from the various vendors drifting our way. So even though I was far away from it, 
My, I'm, I'm actually salivating right now thinking about this. <laughs> Anybody know of any festivals this weekend we can go to after church? But I'm a few blocks away. I'm smelling the smoke. And as I'm walking, I can't get there fast enough. And the next thing you know, i got to slow down because I'm like a lot of steps ahead of the rest of the family. And this is looking bad, right? i got to back it up. But I'm salivating. I'm thinking about that pulled pork sandwich. I'm, I'm thinking about the choices of sauce that I'm going to put on this thing. So I get there, and I'm still far away. I'm in Perry Square. The vendor's in front of me. But the lines, they're long, and I'm like, oh, man, can't we get a fast pass here? I'll pay a few extra bucks for that, right? But I'm waiting, and I'm looking, and I'm reading. By the time I got to the counter, I must have looked like a kid in a candy store. The drool dripping down the face. I just I just handing over my, my money because I can't even speak the words. Give me a pulled pork sandwich. My appetite was high. My hunger levels were intense. The only thing that I could think about was that sandwich. I'm saying, hey, how does this relate to Matthew 5? <laughs> in all seriousness, was Jesus talking about Pastor Jim's pulled pork sandwich here in Matthew 5, 6? Not at all. But he was talking about that same level of desire for righteousness. That desire of our heart, that spiritual craving that says, I want more of you, God. We sang it this morning, and you saw the atmosphere break. The atmosphere broke because the natural met up with the supernatural God. He never denies his children coming before him and saying, God, I am hungry, hungry, hungry for you. God does not deny that request. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Understand, Jesus is being very specific here. He's saying desire righteousness as if it is the only thing that can satisfy your hunger. Desire righteousness as if it is the only thing that can quench your thirst. And when we do we will receive the blessings of God. Now this is one of those cases where the teacher in me jumps to the surface because I believe that we have become so familiar in our Christianese language, our church talk, if you will, that we are in danger of losing the impact of the message that Jesus is trying to communicate to us today. See, we hear this word righteousness spoken a lot. We actually expect to hear the word righteousness spoken in church, right? But we become very familiar with it. And so the question as I was preparing is, have we become too familiar with it? Have we given righteousness as a word proper consideration? Do we have a proper understanding of what the core is being communicated to us? So if you recall in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, again, Jesus is in the midst of a sermon. What he is doing is he is contrasting the difference between living a life that is in pursuit of the way of God's kingdom versus that of continuing in status quo, the way of the world. 
So Jesus is saying, effectively, if you follow me and my teachings, you will, be, you will be blessed. The world does not bless the way that God blesses. Amen? Amen? The world does not bless the way that God blesses. In fact, what happens? Oh, the pleasure of sin is for but a season. Somebody needs to hear this because this is not in my notes right now. The pleasure of sin is for but a season, but in the, in the end, it will lead to the way of death. How many times do we see this play out time and time in front of us where somebody says, oh, man, this, this sin here, there, there's nothing wrong with this. Man, it feels so good. How could it be so wrong? And the next thing you know, the handcuffs, the bondage of sin takes us and walks us down a path that unless God is intervening will lead to death and destruction. The pleasure of sin is for but a season. But those that pursue a life of righteousness, oh, has eternal benefits. Church, we need to wake up and recognize that when God's word talks about blessings, they are the blessings. They are the blessings that will reap dividend after dividend after dividend for an eternity's time's sake. So back to righteousness. Have we become so familiar with this word that we've lost its impact in our lives? See, righteousness, I took a look at the Greek, and we recognize that in this particular uh, situation, the original language, it was written in the Greek, and so we've got to understand the dynamics of the Greek in this case. And so when I came to the word righteousness, and I did my word study on this particular piece, what I found is that righteousness is doing what is in agreement with God's standards, not the world's, but God's standards. Righteousness is the state of being in proper relationship with God, not just coming to church on a Sunday. Just because I come to church on a Sunday does not mean that I'm a righteous person. But if I live my life in harmony with what God's word is speaking, with what the spirit is challenging me with. If I'm willing to obey God's laws, his commands, his decrees, then guess what? I am in a proper relationship with God. I can know about him all day long, but unless I walk with him or walk in them, I am not righteous. Did you hear what I just said? I have got to walk in God's ways to be considered righteous, and I might add the word holy, in God's sight. And I believe that's what we're desiring as we come into a place like this this morning. So we get this sense that righteousness is the living and the acting in right alignment with God's character. So now with this as our backdrop, Jesus is simply stating in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, that if you truly desire, if you truly desire to live and act in alignment with my Father's character, desire as if it were the very things needed for your basic survival, like food and water in your life, if you truly desire this, not only will you be satisfied, but you will be blessed as a result, which begs the question, what does your appetite crave? 
Are we craving the right things? Now, by me asking this question, it implies that we can be craving stuff that is not beneficial and won't produce spiritual blessings. You see, Paul addresses this in Galatians chapter 5 as he reminds us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the primary reason we stumble in this area of our faith is because our sin nature plays a major role in our cravings. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. What is being said here? Just because we are proclaiming to be followers of Jesus Christ and just because we've entered into a relationship with him doesn't mean that we can turn a blind eye to our sin nature. We can't ignore it because the sin nature is a real thing. So what we need to recognize is that there is a battle that is going on in each and every one of us. You see, sometimes I just get this notion that, that when we come to church, maybe even come to the altar, we've prayed a prayer of confession that our internal desires, we think sometimes that they just poof, they go away. We can sometimes have this sense that, okay, I'm in autopilot mode, now God, it's your, it's your job, now you take the rest of my life and you do with it. And we, we don't own any part of our actions but church, if we read the scriptures carefully, there is a lot of instruction throughout the word of God that says, roll up your sleeves and get to work in the pursuit of righteousness. Now, I'm not suggesting by even a moment or for a moment that God's Holy Spirit does not want to help us. But we are instructed to get some skin in the game. Amen? Amen? So we live or we walk by the Spirit, and we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see, it's up to us to cultivate this lifestyle, the desire to live in Him. If we want to see God's blessings in our life, then we need to consider this point of righteousness. And it's just like our food choices. Here I am talking about food again. It's getting close to lunch. Do I have any snackers in the room? <laughs> snackers. When you start to get the munchies, what do, you what do you reach for? The chips or the veggies? There's a tension there, isn't there? Now, if you're like me, even though you're craving the salty fried potato chips, you go after the carrot sticks. And Julie and my children just fell out of the pews. There's a tension there, isn't there? Oh, you better believe I know that the carrots and the fruits and the vegetables are better off for me. But boy, that Wegmans ice cream, it is calling me from the deep recesses of the freezer. Take a scoop. Not just one, two. There's that tension. 
And the same thing happens in the spiritual, in the supernatural. So remember, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. It says, a man reaps what he sows. Women, you are not off the hook with that one either. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, again, capital S, Holy Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So with this verse now as our backdrop, going back to my snacking example, if I choose to consume an unhealthy amount of chips, soda, junk food types of snacks, what do I gain? High blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, obesity, shortened lifespan. I didn't hear any amens on that. But if I ignore that which will bring no long-term benefit to me and choose to eat the things that are good to me, the fruit, the vegetables, I drink water instead of soda, what can I gain to expect? I'm healthier, right? I'm healthier all the way around. And I experience a better quality of life. So when I look at a passage like Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, known as the, the fruits of the Spirit passage, which, by the way, are the indicators that I am living a righteous life, can I see them evident in this life? Remember, these are indicators of living a righteous life. Do I see things like love, joy, and peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are these the fruits that you're seeing in your life, or is there something else that is being demonstrated? Remember, we reap what we sow. So if you're like me, when you face that type of a list, it's like, ooh, ouch. Um, I hope my spouse isn't taking notes right now. I recognize I've got some work to do. But where do I start? Now, don't raise your hands. But is anyone else in this boat right now? Sure there are. There are people in this boat right now. I've got work to do, but where do I start? Lately, I've been on, uh, I've been on the Internet for my various questions of life finding the YouTube channel. Anybody YouTubers out there? So my back was hurting the other day, so I YouTubed chiropractic adjustments. <laughs> I said, hey, Jewel, come on over. Come on over. My back's hurting. Just watch this video. Will you take care? Thank God he's given her discernment. <laughs> Common sense. No, mister, I'm not doing that. My car's not working. I'm YouTubing. What, where do I go? I need to recharge the air conditioning. Where is it in my car? I open my car's, I just about called it a lid. I, I'm not that ignorant. I open my car's hood, and I'm like, um, yeah, I, I don't know where this is. So I YouTube it, right? And boom, there it is. So let's take this same cultural mindset, and let's apply it to the church. So if I'm to YouTube... God, what do I do? How do I see this fruit develop in my life? What would he allow to come up in the search engines of God's YouTube channel? 
We could call it you in God tube or something like that, right? Any developers out there see me afterwards, I'd love to go into a licensing agreement with you. Ephesians 4, 22, I believe would be at the top of God's list if we were to YouTube that question of how do I develop righteousness in my life? And again, the Apostle Paul speaking to us, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, the sinful life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You're to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I believe that's what would surface on YouTube. There are some basic steps that the Apostle Paul steps us down through in these two passages here. The first is this. We need to be deliberate in putting away the old self. And this is our first step in the pursuit of righteousness. Remember, just because we've come to the altar doesn't mean that God is saying, okay, it's all gone, I'm going to take over here, and you just you put one foot in front of the other when I tell you to. That's not what happens here. We have got to take ownership of our lives. And our first step is that we're to be deliberate in putting away the old self. Do you remember Jesus' interaction with the woman caught in adultery of John chapter 8, right? She was an adulteress. Under the law, they were going to stone this woman. But they brought her before Jesus because they wanted to test him in so many ways. And what is Jesus' response to the situation? Although, although the law required or was indicating that this woman should be stoned, Jesus says, I am working in the gifts of mercy. I am here to show the compassion of God. And this brings hope to us here today. Regardless of the sin that we have, we can bring it before God. And he will forgive us. But there is a job that we need to do with it as well. And so at the end of the, of the story, we know that those that wanted to stone this woman for adultery, they go away. And Jesus doesn't go up to her then and say, okay, they've gone away. Go have fun. I know adultery is a fun thing to do. And yeah, you have a little bit more left in your season of pleasure. What does he say to her? He says, go and sin no more. He puts the action, the choice to respond to his forgiveness back on her. Sin no more. That is something that the woman has got to course correct. She's putting away the old self. So what does this mean for us? It means live your li leave your life of sin. If God is convicting you of a sin, don't ignore him. We can do that so easily, can't we? I had a situation... Just yesterday, this wasn't a sinful situation, but I had a situation where I just tried to discount the Holy Spirit. Yes, your pastor struggles in areas as well. So I'm driving down the road. We're under a timeline. Hey, the seawolves are calling, man. You know, I got to go. I got to pick up my wife and kids. And, but I'm driving down the road, and I see somebody walking the street. And the Holy Spirit will do this with me every once in a while. He says, I want you to pick that guy up. I'm like, dude, no, the sea wolves are calling. As I drove my quarter mile down the road, the Holy Spirit was still 
speaking to me about this individual I had seen. My family doesn't even know about this. And so I said, Lord, are you really, is this you? Type of thing. What was I doing? I was trying to say, God, right now is not a convenient time for me to stop and pick up this man. So I was pushing him down and trying to push him away. But then I had to stop and remember, dude, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Obedience. Following and living life in the character of God. I was like, oh. So what did I do? Pull over. God, forgive me. I was squelching your voice. So I turn and I, I go down the way and the odd dialogue that always, when you see one of these situations, I said to the guy that, that's walking, he said, hey, dude, I saw you walking. <laughs> you need a ride. Yeah, I could use a ride. Oh, nine times out of ten, that's what, that's what always transpires. Yeah, I need a ride. So where can I take you? And you know what the sad thing was? Tops. It was probably a quarter of a mile out of my way. And I almost missed the opportunity to be a blessing to this individual. So he gets in the car, and I introduce myself. I said, my, my name's Pastor Jim. What's your name? He gives me his name and talked just a little bit on the, the car ride. I wasn't preaching an evangelistic sermon to him. I just wanted him to know that God loves him. He got out of the car and said, thank you. I don't know if I'll ever see that guy again. But I'm grateful for the opportunity that God, God gave me to essentially offer a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. We have got to be deliberate in putting aside ourselves so that God has something to work with. The second thing that I believe we would find on God's YouTube channel would be that we need an attitude adjustment. We need to, to align our priorities to God's word. So there's this issue of being made new that transpires on the inside. When we align our priorities, when we look at life through the lens of God, we see things differently. Matthew chapter 6 talks about this just a page or two over in your Bible when he says, Jesus is speaking in Matthew 6, verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Even scanning down just a few, a few verses through that, we see that we can, we can be so fixed on the temporary things of this life. And God is saying, listen, I know what your needs are. Just focus on my kingdom. Seek me first. Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all of life, what we need, will be given to you as well. I'll never forget when Julie and I and our family, actually all, all four, and I am so thrilled we're missing our son-in-law today. He's on a mission trip in Atlanta. 
But I'm thrilled to have this portion of my family with us this morning. And I remember this, this front pew, including myself, we walked through a life situation a number of years ago as God was calling us into ministry. I'd partnered with a, a Christian businessman, and uh, on one hand, I was very upfront with him about our call into ministry, not knowing where God was, leaving, was leading us and um, the steps that we would need to take. He was in alignment with it while we were in conversation, but on the back end, he was nowhere connected to this piece. And I'll never forget one day when he pulled the rug out from under our, our relationship and left us as a family high and dry. I knew God was calling us into ministry, and all of a sudden, as, as the enemy would work it, as the rug was pulled out from under us in a partnership, a company on the outside was saying, hey, Jim Dinger, we want you to, to be on our team. We're going to fly you here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the money was incredible. It was one of those things with, wow, man, God, is this you? Because, man, I love these blessings right here, right? Sometimes it's easy to take the financial blessings. But I knew in my heart of hearts and we knew in our heart of a family that God was calling us into full-time ministry. And so we needed to make a tough decision. We had to say no against that particular piece. And all the while, God was bringing this particular passage tonight to light up. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom first. Seek my righteousness first. And everything that you need will be added unto you. It's, yeah. I agree with the clap. But when you're in the thick of it, it's not easy to do this. And I'll never forget my wife. She is such a prayer. She wrote a blessing book that particular year. It was a year transition. Filled up a book of God's blessings. And one of the things we have valued as a family is, is higher education and some higher levels of thinking, some trying to get culture into our kids, kiddos' lives. And one of the things that we had planned on that particular summer was taking our children to the, I always say this wrong, the Chautauqua Institute or institution? One of the two, right? Institute, okay. We wanted to take them to the Chautauqua Institute for some lecture series that were going on. But with the rug that had been pulled out from underneath us, we couldn't afford it. We, all of a sudden, we went down to shrink mode. We tightened every bit of that belt. We added new belt holes into that belt, right? But we prayed, and we served. And we were at the Erie City Mission. And as we were at the Erie City Mission, we were kind of sulking a little bit still. We were there on a volunteer appreciation banquet, and they had some, they had some baskets out and around. They were doing this... Uh, this volunteer appreciation deal where you put your tickets in and you could win some prizes. And lo and behold, there was this basket for the Chautauqua Institute. A lot of people in that room. So we dropped our tickets into that piece. I'll be honest with you, the faith level was pretty low. But that was the first piece, Julie, remember this. That was the first piece where God says, I know the desires of your heart. You don't need to lay out cash. I am going to give you these tickets. And our entire family got to go to the Chautauqua Institute, even though I didn't pay a thing for it. But God was saying, you follow me. You pursue me. I know what you want. I know what you need. And I'm going to honor your desires. And church, we need to get back to some basics on that type of stuff. It's not a matter of picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's a matter of getting on our knees before God and saying, God, I need you. I am so desperate for you. Fill me up with your spirit. Help me to hunger and thirst for you. And when we get closer to God and we desire him in these levels, he will fill us up according to his word in Matthew 6, 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be satisfied. 
believe our third step comes to a question. How do we look? I've actually, in my notes, I actually put in here, mirror, mirror on the wall. How do I look? Here's a challenging question for you today. Sitting around the dinner table, interacting with friends, talking to your spouse. Does my life look like Jesus? Are you seeing evidence of the fruits of the Spirit being developed in my life? Maybe say to a friend that didn't attend church this morning, you know, I heard this sermon today and I'm just wondering, how am I doing? Is there evidence of my walk with Jesus in my everyday life? Are there any areas that I need to work on? Friends, I can honestly tell you, we are humble. And we're not looking for that self-gratification of, hey, give me a compliment, right? But serious, I want to do things that are more and more like God. What do I need to change? That reflective conversation can reveal a lot. And when that is brought up, you don't argue with the people, right? You thank them. So would you pray with me? Would you help me in developing Christ-like character in my life? When those things are revealed or when we come before the mirror of the altar of God and you say, God, look deep into my soul. Show me. Show me what you see. God will show you. But then you've got to do something with what he showed you. You've got to commit to the change. This is what Paul says when he says, now put on the new. This is the external. We dealt with the internal, the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Now we're, we're talking about the external point. We've got to put on the new clothing. We've got to actually make the change. Got a funny story in this particular piece. I do my best to get to the gym every once in a while knowing that there are some, who just laughed out there? <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> You're supposed to say, go, Pastor Jim. All right. So I do my best to get to the gym every once in a while, and uh, knowing that there are some of those blessings for going, stress relief, you know, weight loss, heart rate, energy, the whole deal. But in order for me to get the experience of going uh, to the gym and paying that gym membership, I actually have to get on the machines and do some work, right? Got to break a sweat. Doesn't do enough for me just to get in there with my Planet Fitness membership that, that I'm paying once a month for and the maintenance fee. It doesn't do good that I've got the coolest looking shorts and they're not cool, trust me, they're the dated shorts, you know. Or my sweated, sweated out Kai Alpha t-shirt. It doesn't do any good for me just to go there and look like I'm going to the gym, I've got to get on the machines and do the work. I'll never forget I'm in Scranton the one day, so everybody's off the hook here unless you visited Scranton regularly. I'm in Planet Fitness, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on one of the machines, and the funniest thing happens to me over the course of about a week, a week and a half. These two ladies, I'm assuming they're sisters, they're coming to the gym, and they are all decked out. I mean, they've got the headband going. They've got the water bottle that's, like, filled with all the water and probably the energy drinks going. They've got the, the matching outfits. They've got everything. They've got their notepad. They've got a trainer. 
And the funniest thing ever is I'm working out, this trainer is showing them how to do an exercise. Consistently, this is the deal. So let's say it's the step machine. So she goes up, down, up, down, up, back, okay, does this step thing back and forth, showing these ladies how to do it properly. Comes to the lady's turn. Well, phone call. <laughs> One lady goes, and she walks away. No lie. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't hear that phone ring. I think while it was up to her ear, it was ringing, and she's like, silence, silence that baby down, right? I never see that woman get up on the step machine. The other lady, she gets up, and, you know, God, God love her, she, she's trying, she's got two or three, and then she just stops and puts her hand on the armrest there and discusses the exercise with the trainer for the next 10 minutes. This went on week for about a week and a half because that's about all I saw them. Come in, decked out, boom, off the phone, always an excuse not to get on the machine. The bottom line in all of this church is that I thought of this as an example for the church in that we do the exact same thing, don't we, sometimes? We get all dressed up. We go to church on a Sunday morning. We drop a, a few bucks of our membership dues in the offering plate. Go with me on this, right? We listen to the pastor slash trainer. We're shown how to live a godly life. Yet when it comes to the heart work that is necessary, that only we can do in response to God's opportunities in front of us, because your teacher can't make you do it, your friends can't make you do it. Your family can't make you do it. You've got to want to do it. But we can be very guilty of coming up with every excuse as to why we're not going to do it. So we come in to the plant and fitness of church. This is great stuff. Boy, there's some great benefits there. Boy, that was some great teaching there, but we walk out and we've never broken a sweat. Sad, but I believe it's true in many cases. Final step that I see is we need to anticipate God's blessings. We sang about his goodness today. You are good, good, oh. We probably sang that a dozen times, that phrase, right? You are good, good, oh. Do we believe it? So if Jesus says in Matthew that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied or filled, do we believe it? Do we anticipate the blessings of God? Do we even know the blessings of God? And pastorally, teacher uh, gifts stirring up within me right now. Far, far too many times I have seen where the church will break out the Bible on a Sunday morning, and by the time they get home, it's tucked away back on the coffee table waiting till next Sunday. We need to open up the Word of God and apply it daily into our lives. Daily. Understanding what spirit, his spirit speaks to my spirit. There were a couple of words this morning spoken to me in the prophetic element. 
Not prophetic fortune telling, but prophetic being the word of God that absolutely aligned with God's word this morning. If God's word is to be alive and active in our souls, if it is to separate joint and marrow, if it is to judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, we need to be in it and allow it to work. As we anticipate the blessings of God, they motivate us to stay true to the faith. Stay true to God's word. As we prioritize our Sunday mornings and we pursue God in worship, we give him room to work and room to encourage us and to continue to, be, to build us up and to continue to feed us. As we consider God's blessings, these are the blessings that motivate us to spend time together with God in prayer. And I know oh, that sounds like, oh, you know, you're going to hear that in every church across America You're going to hear it because it's what God's word says. God says, I want to be in relationship with you. Let's do that. As we keep God's blessings in front of us, it challenges us to dig deep into the Bible to understand his character and his plan for our lives. His blessings challenge us to be deliberately involved with the community, this particular community of Erie First Assembly, challenging one another as we walk in the faith. His blessings challenge us to say no to our sinful desires because we can recognize what is sin according to God's word and to say yes to his Holy Spirit that wants to move us in a particular direction. Blessings challenge us to take a long look in the mirror. God, what do you see in me? And how do I look to you right now? That's the benefit of God's blessings. I'm going to invite the worship team to the front. As Pastor Quint and his team assemble... You're going to have an opportunity to respond to this message, spirit to spirit. I don't want you to to focus in on, man, that drummer, he's playing so cool. Or, boy, look at the way Pastor Quint is playing on the guitar. Try and block all those distractions. And as you hear the music, as you see the lyrics, pray those unto God. And I believe that God will meet you right where you are at. Are you willing to pursue righteousness for the sake of your relationship with God? Pastor Quinn's going to be closing us in a prayer. As I was thinking about another response point, here's a tangible point right here. Some of you have seen this book called Killing Kryptonite. In the lobby today, there is a sign-up sheet on the table by the T-shirts, if there's any left out there, the Summer Serve T-shirts. Here's what I'd like to offer. I've led probably 50 to 60 of you from this church in this particular study. And I can tell you that it is a study that will challenge your personal holiness. But 90% of what I am seeing the people that are engaging with this particular study are saying, wow, thank you, God, for the opportunity to get back into relationship with you. Thank you, God, for challenging me in this particular area. If you're in a spot where you say, I need a tool, I need somebody to walk with, this is the perfect opportunity after service 
you go back there and you sign up. And on that sheet, you have an opportunity to say, this is my best day available. This is my best time. We're going to try and formulate a couple groups out of that. Where this community can be challenged and walk in the righteousness of God. Let's pray out through this particular song. Stand and sing with us this morning, church. Say, Lord, I want.
thank you for all that you've done in this place this morning and all that you're doing in each one of our hearts. I just pray, Lord, for a hunger and a thirst coming out of this church. From every individual that you've touched this morning, Lord, may we just be a people that don't just sing these words, but live them out. That we are hungry and we are thirsty and we lift our holy hands. We lift our voices to you. We make a joyful noise. We praise you because you are good even when circumstances around us don't look good. So we thank you for that. I pray over every person in this room that we would all leave changed, closer to you, more hungry, more thirsty, chasing after you every single day. Thank you for who you are and what you've done in this place. Amen. Amen, church. Have a blessed Sunday. We'll see you next week.